So, it is officially Samsung week, baby. The official public release of the Galaxy S20 line of phones is going live tomorrow. But your boy, the man about tech, the captain of Team Apple, got him pre-ordered today. That's right. I am holding in my hand the beef among smartphones. The Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra. The Mammoth 12 gigabyte edition. The one with 16 gigs of RAM. This thing is a powerhouse. And tonight, I'm giving you my first impressions of this beast on Vibe Drive, episode 66, which starts now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech, and welcome back to another episode of Vibe Drive. This is the podcast about tech. Hosted by the man about tech. And tonight, like I said, I'm giving you my first impressions of the beast among smartphones. That's right. Samsung Galaxy S20 Ultra. Oh, my God. For those of you all listening on audio only, I have the beast in my hand right now. So tonight, I'm going to give you my first impressions of this beastly man of a phone. But the first thing I need to do is take it out of the case so you can see it and in glory. For those of y'all watching on the YouTube, this is the Beats Among Smartphones, 6.9-inch OLED, uh, Super AMOLED display. Y'all know what it is. Display major crowned the best smartphone display on the market right now. I mean, but the first thing that you notice about the smartphone, I mean, let me see if I can show it to you on camera here. Do you see the camera hump? I mean, do you see the... Do, boom! Boom! I mean, good Lord, do you see the camera hump? I mean, it sticks out so far from the phone. It is a protruding, beastly bump. If you're listening on audio only, the Galaxy S20 Ultra has a massive camera bump on the back. And of course it does. The back of the phone houses a 108 megapixel wide angle sensor on top of a 48 megapixel telephoto sensor on top of a 12 megapixel wide angle, uh, ultra wide angle sensor, excuse me, on top of a dedicated time of flight sensor. So you got, what, four different lenses on the back of the phone in addition to the flash. So this thing it's beefy. It has all types of camera tech in there. It's a thick boy, 6.9 inches, big, bigger than your Galaxy Note 10 Plus. And it feels good in the hand, even though it's big. It feels easy to hold. And despite the fact that it's a glass phone, it is very grippy. I mean, I don't feel like I'm going to drop anything like that. But there's no way I would carry this phone out of the house without a case. Hell no. Nah, I am not about that life. Do y'all know how much this phone costs? I mean, the S20 Ultra starts off. At a cool fourteen hundred dollars, fourteen hundred dollars, and that's the starting price. So there's no way I'm taking this outside of the house without a case. So I brought a couple of speaking cases, and then I got my dude car from Armadillo Tech Snail Casey sent me out some cases. Uh, Caseology is sending me out cases as well. So I got a few people sending me cases to protect the bad boy. So that's definitely legit. But this phone is awesome. Um, this is the Cosmic Black. For those of y'all listening on audio only, I have the Cosmic Black version. I wanted the gray one, but uh, of course, the gray one and the 512 gigabyte variant was not available at all. I don't even think it was available at pre-order. I mean, I think they set a few of those aside to give to like the reviewers and stuff, and they didn't really make enough for the actual math public because I tried to pre-order a gray version. Wasn't happening, but I got the black, and oh my lord, it's so crazy because I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro. My MacBook Pro has 128 gigabytes of storage, 8 gigs of RAM. <laughs> I repeat, my MacBook Pro has 128 gigabytes of storage, 
8 gigs of RAM. This S20 Ultra that I just brought has 512 gigabytes of storage and 16 gigs of RAM. The, the phone has more computing power than my current MacBook Pro. It is ridiculous. Oh my goodness. And man, it is it is a beautiful thing. Like this display is amazing. So here's the thing: like Samsung has to make some technological compromising with this device, right? So this device does have a 120 hertz refresh rate as an option. However, what you may or may not be aware of is that even though this is a quad HD display resolution for the S20 Ultra, you can't have it or you can't use it at quad HD resolution and have it running at 120 hertz refresh rate at the same time. So you have to make a compromise. You have to make a choice. So either you can run the phone at full HD while you enjoy that 120 hertz refresh rate, or you can bypass the refresh rate and just run it at a regular 60 hertz and enjoy the quad HD resolution. Uh, right now, I am choosing to run it at just regular 1080p, and I am enjoying the 120 hertz refresh rate. Now, I'm not about to come on here on the podcast airwaves and go all Marquette Brownlee on you, on you all. I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, my God. The 120 hertz display is a game changer. I don't know if I would say about I'll say all that, but it is. It, it, it's noticeable. You notice it. Like, when you're using the phone, you you notice it. Like, if you switch back from, like, if you switch from 120 to 60, you will notice it. I don't know if it's a big difference. It's definitely not a, a game changer or a deal breaker, but it's definitely noticeable as you're using the device. So I'm kind of enjoying it at the 120, uh, the 120 hertz refresh rate, full HD. So I'm, I'm rocking with that. I guess I can choose now to uh, shamelessly promote. If you guys would like to support the podcast, if you're listening on audio only and you want to donate monetarily to the podcast, there will be links in the show notes for you to do that to support me and what I'm doing. I mean, we are 66 episodes in. I love bringing you guys the podcast, talking to you live like this on YouTube. I love being able to come at you on audio only if you can't be here watching live. So thank you for supporting me any way you can. Definitely appreciate you guys. But back to this beefy beast among smartphones. This is a beast. This is literally the Brock Lesnar of smartphones. This is a beast among men. This thing is beat. Let me, let me give you a, like, a side comparison, if I can, to my iPhone 11 Pro Max. I mean, this thing dwarfed my iPhone. So, so we make a side comparison here. So we got this thing right next to the iPhone. For those of y'all seeing it right here on watching live on YouTube, you see that the S20 Ultra is taller. It almost looks a little thicker, but I don't think so. Actually, the crazy thing about this is that the iPhone 11 Pro Max is actually heavier than the S20 Ultra, even with its massive camera bump. And you can definitely feel that if you're holding both devices in the hand, the iPhone definitely has more weight. It has more heft to it. But that's not to say that the S20 Ultra is a lesser device because this thing is, shoot, this thing has tech that the iPhone dreamed of. So that's what you get right there. Let me put these back up the camera again. I mean, I mean, I mean, good Lord, the S20 Ultra is so tall compared to the iPhone. It's crazy. And it's almost as wide. Actually, the S20 Ultra looks like it's wider. It looks like it's wider than the iPhone. Let me, let me see if I can do a comparison here on camera. It'll be kind of hard to get these together with this massive camera bump in the back. But uh, yeah, actually, no, I think the iPhone might be a tad bit wider. Yeah, I think the iPhone may be a tad bit wider, I think. So this S20 Ultra is the business, man. So, you know, with the S20 Ultra, you're getting Android 10. I think it's like One UI uh, version 2. Definitely legit. And I noticed something today that kind of perplexes me about 
the way Samsung and Google both handle their Android operating systems. So if you get a Pixel 4, you get a Pixel device, and you use the app switcher, if you want to close out all the apps at once, you have to scroll all the way over to the right on the Pixel, or the left, I should say, on the Pixel device to do that. However, if you want to close all the apps on a Galaxy device, you get the option as soon as you open up the app switcher, the option is right there, and it doesn't matter where you scroll at, the option stays in one spot. So you don't have to scroll to a particular area to close all the apps. There is a close all button right there within the Samsung software. So you can close out all the apps at the same time and not have to worry about scrolling all the way over to the left before you can do that. How in the hell does Samsung do Android better than Google and Google are the maker founders of Android? I don't understand it. This kind of perplexes me. How is it that Samsung has better Android software then Android maker Google themselves. I what what the hell, man? What is going on, bro? What ain't going on? What is happening? All right, so we got a question in the chat from Genosis. He wants to know: Have I found the lock app to RAM option? Yes. So I don't know if I can show it to you guys on camera. Let me actually. You know, I need to turn the brightness down so I can show you guys. But that option is actually located within the app switcher. So first, let me turn the brightness down so I can probably see if I can attempt to show you how to do this. Um, come on. All right, so we're gonna turn the brightness down. So once you get into the app switcher, every app has like its own little dedicated button on top here. Let me see if you guys can see that. Come on, come on. There, okay. So if I click on the YouTube button right here, right? Uh, nope, that's not what I want to do. So if you go back to the app switcher, you click on the little app icon right at the top there. Uh, one of the options is lock app to RAM. So yeah, it says keep open for quick uh, launching. So that is how you lock an app in RAM. And what that means is that the Galaxy S20 Ultra has so much RAM that it can lock apps open in memory. I don't know how many of you all have iPhones, but you know that iOS is aggressively managing your RAM, which means often it will close apps in the background. So when you go back to a certain app in the iOS app switcher, the app reloads. It does not stay open from where you left off. It is furiously annoying how iOS handles RAM management. I don't know if it's a bug or it's just the way that iOS does it, but it pisses me off. But with this Galaxy S20 Ultra, you can lock an app, you can lock an app to RAM. So their app will stay where you left off. If you lock it in place, it will not refresh. It will not close. It is legit. I saw somebody asking if there are limits to how many apps that you can lock in RAM. You can lock three apps in RAM, as far as I know. Um, so that's pretty cool that you can lock three apps in the RAM. So anytime, whatever, no matter what you're doing on the phone, you can choose three apps to keep where you left off. So you can go back to using those apps wherever you left off. If you lock them in RAM, definitely legit. That is awesome. So, oh my goodness. Definitely a cool feature with this Galaxy S20 Ultra. Hopefully, iOS finds a better way to manage their RAM. Now, this phone, again, has 16 gigabytes of RAM. This is just this is a cheat code at this point. And this iPhone 11 Pro Max I got in my hand here only has four gigs of RAM. So, this S20 Ultra has four times the RAM of the iPhone that I'm holding in my hand right now. So, it's kind of nutty. It's kind of crazy. But... Even, you know, usually iPhones are pretty good with their RAM management, even though they don't have much RAM. But this iPhone 11 Pro Max is definitely suspect in the RAM department. So I don't know. But if you want to do a lot on your phone, if you want to use your phone as a workhorse powerhouse, you won't have to stay open in RAM. You definitely need to consider the S20 Ultra. Hell, their thing has so much RAM that you don't even have to lock apps open in RAM. They will stay open anyway because the phone has so much RAM. I mean, the, it starts off at 12 gigabytes of RAM, and then you can just go 
butt naked crazy like I did and get the 10 gigabyte RAM version if you want to do that. But man, whoo, yeah, having an app open all the time, no matter what you're doing on the phone, is a definite good look by me. I like that. So shout out to Samsung for implementing that feature and actually putting enough RAM in the phone to make that possible. Definitely legit. So what are the other cool, like, minor things that Samsung did that kind of goes unnoticed, but not by anybody that actually look and looking for it and us tech reviewers no, will notice it very quickly. If you look at the phone, right? Oh, I got to turn on the brightness again. If you look at the way the, the display is set up, you will quickly notice that it is not as curvy as Galaxy phones of years past. And if you look even closer, you will see that the display does not spill over into the curve like they used to do in the past. So if I turn the phone sideways here, the display stops right there at the edge, or I should say right here at the edge, the display stops. So the display does not spill over into the curve. That means that you get the maximum best typing experience possible because you don't have to worry about your fingers hitting the curve when you're trying to type something out. It's definitely legit. Having the display less curve is such a cool user thing that the average person may not notice. But like I said, if you use a lot of smartphones, if you've used curvier displays in the past, you will definitely notice the lack of curvature on the S20 Ultra, and I feel like that definitely needs to be highlighted because it makes the experience, it makes the user experience so, so much better when you don't have to deal with the curvy phones. I mean, the OnePlus 7 Pro for all its beauty and curve, it's too damn curvy. It's like, it the, the, type of, the, uh, the type of experience on the OnePlus 7 Pro is not that comfortable. The viewing experience is kind of distorted because the, the display curves out over the edges, so your content is distorted but you don't have those problems on the S20 Ultra. And the other thing that I have not mentioned yet is that when you have less curve, you have a whole lot less accidental touches. When you have those curvier phones, sometimes you're touching the display in the wrong place and you activate an app that you didn't want to activate because it's too curved. That is not a problem on the S20 Ultra because it's not that curved. A lot less accidental touches. Hell, I haven't even had any yet on this phone and I've been using it for like the past, what, seven, eight hours? So shout out to Samsung for subtracting sometimes you get addition by subtraction and in this case less curves equal better sometimes less is more and in this case definitely less curves equals more of a better user experience i like that genosic was asking about the haptics on the phone um they're kind of subtle you know they're kind of in the background i noticed them i like them i enjoyed them they're i mean I, i'm not i'm not gonna say they're good or bad i mean they're, they're good I, I mean i guess they're good I, mean, I don't know if they're iPhone or Pixel level good, but the haptics are good. They definitely contribute to the way the phone feels. I don't know, it's, just, it's weird. Like, you got a Snapdragon 865 processor in the phone, and the haptics kind of line up with that. They give you a good experience. You get that good tactile feedback when you're typing out an email or message or things like that. If you're doing different things like hitting the, uh, the home button on the phone, you get that soft haptic feedback. So the haptics are good. They're not, like, legendary, but... They are definitely up there with uh, iPhone and Pixel. They might not. They might be a notch below the iPhone and Pixel, but the haptics are definitely legit on this S20 Ultra. All right. So uh, Jason is asking, does Samsung still do the app, uh, the Edge app feature? Yes, and I love it. It is a beautiful thing. So Samsung still has the feature where if you slide in from the corner here, you will get to use that app Edge. Boom, there it is. So that app Edge feature is still there. If you slide in from the corner. It has a group of apps there that you can use, and it has like a different grouping, as different groupings, I should say. So I got a bunch of apps here, but you can also customize it to have like a bunch of contacts. 
or you can customize it to have a bunch of different functions that you can do on the phone. But yes, App Edge is still there, still useful as ever. I like it. And this phone still has the secure folder, or as my man Flossy Carter would call it, dot protection. That's right, your Galaxy S20 Ultra and Galaxy S20 devices in general, they all have dot protection, aka the secure folder, basically meaning you can pretty much have two phones in one. So you can have a whole secure other side of the phone that nobody can have access to, but you, if you want to run like second versions of apps, like say you want to like have a different, uh, like if you want to have your scumbag account, uh, your scumbag Facebook account on this phone, but you don't want people to see that out in the public, you can I activate the secure folder and then you can uh, sign into that uh, scumbag Facebook account over in your secure folder and nobody will have access to that but you because there'll be locked behind the knock container. It's legit. Stop protection definitely happening with the S20 Ultra. Always legit. I love when Samsung includes secure folder. I wish more OEM for, to uh, include a secure folder type deal on their devices. I know Huawei does it, but nobody besides Samsung and Huawei have implemented that type of feature, and I find it very useful, and I love Samsung devices for having that feature. If you guys have any questions, comments about the S20 Ultra, let me know. Like I said, I've only had it for a few hours, but I'll try to answer your questions the best I can. This is the First Impression Podcast. My first impressions are I am definitely impressed with the device. I'm loving it. All the RAM, the display, the Samsung One UI is, I mean, good Lord. We have come so far with Samsung's One UI. I mean, touch with back in the day was murder on an Android phone. It was it was just unusable almost. It was terrible. It was so heavy. It would lag out the phone. It was just too much. But over the over the years, Samsung kind of like refined it and then kind of peeled off the layers of touch with and they renamed it One UI or the Samsung Experience or whatever they're calling it now. I think it's One UI version 2. And this is probably the best version of that skin that we have seen on Samsung devices yet. It is it's almost like it's not there. But the one thing I like about One UI and what Samsung does is that they add a bunch of their own features on top of the regular stock Android OS. So like Secure Folder. You got Secure Folder. You got Samsung Pay. You got Bixby. For the two of you that use Bixby. You got Bixby. You can pin app to RAM. You can't do that on a uh, Pixel device. So Samsung, even though it's Android and things like that, Samsung always manages to figure out how to add their own taste on top of the Android skin to make it uniquely their own. And that is the beauty of Samsung devices. And that's why they're the best-selling Android OEM because they put these features in that people find useful a lot and nobody is doing it like Samsung. So like I said, between the pinning app to RAM, Samsung Pay, Samsung Pass, which is almost like um, Apple Keychain and things like that. Uh, Samsung has a, they have the inklings of an ecosystem going on here. And I know they just announced their partnership with Spotify. I think they're actually doing something with Netflix too. So Samsung is actually slowly flushing out their own ecosystem for these Galaxy devices. And I think actually when they announced, uh, when they announced the Note 10 last year, they also announced the Samsung Galaxy Book S, which is like their little mobile laptop that has like LTE and things like that. So that's cool. So Samsung is gradually building out their system of devices and ecosystem, and it's definitely legit. Love using them. So one of the other things that blew me away. Now, to be truthfully honest with you guys, the phone hasn't really blown me away. I'm thoroughly enjoying it, but nothing that this phone is doing is really blowing me away. But one of the things that I was not expecting that does that it kind of blew me away is the speaker quality. The speaker quality on this phone is badass. I mean, damn. Now, 
just like Samsung phones of the past, it does have Dolby Atmos support. So that's kind of part of it because I have that on. But I did not expect the speaker quality, the sound quality to be this good. It's full. It's not too tinny. It's kind of rich and vibrant. It's almost like iPhone. The speaker quality on this S20 Ultra is legit and probably the best that Samsung has ever done. But actually, you know what? I can probably give you guys a little small inkling of this. Uh, let's see. Who's up? Who's up right now? Who's up? Who wants to, uh, you know what? Technically, T just did an unboxing of the S20 Ultra, I think, yesterday. So let's go find that video and watch Technically T. Just so I can give you guys a small sample of the uh, of the speaker quality here on the S20 Ultra. And here is Technically T. Design, man. You can kind of see that right there. Of course, that camera bump everybody talks about is huge. It is what it is. Everybody's going to throw a case on it anyway, so I don't understand why everybody's complaining about it. And on the bottom, I mean, you know, here it is, just showing you the standard weights. Of course, the Note 10 Plus is very light. S20 Ultra does have a little bit of weight. And let's just go ahead and bring one of the little brothers in here. This is going to be the A71. And this is as a 6.7 screen, if I'm not mistaken, 6.8 or 6.7. I can't remember right off my hand, but this is it on the actual A71. Look at that camera hole. And it's actually smaller still, I think, on the S20 Ultra over the A71. Do you hear that speaker quality? Do you hear how rich and vibrant he sounds? And that was at max volume. Like, that is excellent. I don't know how much that comes across during the podcast, but trust me when I tell you, go to your local Best Buy or carrier store and play with the speakers on the S20 Ultra and be prepared to be amazed. They are legit. They are the real deal. Definitely digging the speaker quality on this device. So, of course, you can't really talk about the S20 Ultra without talking about the camera system. So let me talk about the camera real quick. Now, I haven't really taken too many pictures, so I don't have any definitive like details or impressions about the camera pictures and things like that. But I have noticed a few things in my using the camera. First off, if you don't make any changes and you go to take pictures and in the regular with the regular camera, not using the 108 megapixel sensor, the camera, it, the shutter is kind of delayed. Like you, you press the shutter button and then it takes like the phone like a second or two to register and then the picture is taken. I noticed, I figured out why that is happening. So by default in the uh, Samsung camera app, there is a scene optimizer. So basically they have AI in there, which can figure out what you're pointing at and it'll try to determine the best scene for the picture. Like if you're pointing at a pet, it'll know that you're pointing at a pet. Or if you're pointing at buildings, it'll know that you're pointing at buildings, this, that, and the other. But the scene optimizer AI kind of make the camera lag so when you hit the shutter button the scene optimizer ai has to figure out what you're doing first before it will take the picture so this is kind of not cool if you're trying to take a quick picture or if you're like taking some like live action photos and people are like moving around and you want to get the picture real quick the scene optimizer will delay your taking a picture so what i did was i turned it off and once i turned off the scene optimizer then the pictures are taken instantaneously as soon as you hit the shutter button so if you have an S20 Ultra or S20 or any of the S20 devices or whatever, if you notice that your pictures aren't being taken immediately, the scene optimizer is probably the reason why. Because it's kind of trying to read your background and trying to read the environment that you're in when you're taking a picture. Turn that garbage off. Just take your picture. And then it'll be taking it in real time because the scene optimizer makes it lag out. It's not, it's not like a major lag, but it's definitely noticeable. It kind of annoyed me. And then I figured out the scene optimizer with the call. I turned it off. Problem solved. The big elephant in the room, though, of course, as it relates to these S20 Ultras, is the autofocus issues. Now, I have noticed that there are autofocus issues, but 
I am willing to say that I think the autofocus issues are kind of overblown. You only really notice them, or I only really notice them when you're in the 108 megapixel camera mode. And by the way, can we talk about that for a minute? Because I don't understand. If the biggest selling point of this phone is the fact that it can take 108 megapixel cameras, why do I have to go to a dedicated mode for that? Why is that not built in with the uh, built in automatically? So as soon as I open up the camera app and take a picture, bam, it should be operating at 108 megapixels, but it's not. So issue number one, to take a 108 megapixel camera, you have to, you have to switch the aspect ratio of the camera and then choose 108 megapixel and then it will take the picture. But that leads into a whole nother other gravy channel problem. Once you choose 108 megapixels, that is where the autofocus gets all types of bad. Oh my God. The autofocus issues are overly apparent when you're trying to take a 108 megapixel picture. Oh my Lord. Uh, Marquez, uh, MKBHD did an excellent job in his review of breaking down why this is. I can't remember all the details that he said, but he was talking about how the sensor that is being used in this phone is so big and it's trying to capture so much light that sometimes it can't really focus on the subject in a timely manner. And by design, that's why the camera might be having these autofocus issues because of the size of the sensor and things like that and the shutter speeds and all that good stuff. I'm no camera expert. I'm not about to get into the weave. But I definitely noticed when you're taking those 108 megapixel cameras, your autofocus is going to be looking a, little, looking a little choppy. If you don't pay attention, you will be taking some blurry shots. You're going to be mad. So if you want to use the camera at 108 megapixels, you can do that. Just be aware of what you're shooting because the autofocus will not work right. You will need to make sure you have to have some patience with it. And you'll need to make sure that it's properly focused before you take that picture. Otherwise, <laughs> you're going to be looking like a fool. You're going to have that bitter beer face. You will have a bitter beer face using the 108 megapixel mode. If you don't pay attention to the autofocus, you're going to have a bitter beer face. It's not pretty. However, if you are not trying to take a 108 megapixel picture and you just use it, if you take a, just a regular picture, the autofocus works like it's supposed to. It, it's, no, it's no issues, I don't think. It focuses and then you take the picture and you're good. So the only time I really noticed the autofocus is in the 108 megapixel mode. That's when it's like all over the place. So I don't know. Like I said, hopefully Samsung can fix that in the software update. But if Marquez is to be believed, and I don't know why he wouldn't be, it's going to be a little bit more difficult than that to fix a hardware issue with uh, with software. But hopefully they can do something because it is evidently noticeable in the 108 megapixel uh, camera mode. The autofocus is trash. But when you take a normal picture, it's a lot better. But it takes good pictures. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a Galaxy device. It's a, it's a Samsung device. I do agree with other people that it seems like Samsung can cut down the saturation this year. So their pictures are a lot less saturated than in years past. Again, I haven't had too much time with the camera. So I can't make any definitive claims about that. But um, the pictures are good. They look nice. The live focus is definitely legit, although it does have some edge detection issues if there's something in the background with you. Like, I think I took a picture of me and there was like some type of plant or something in the background and the edge detection caught part of the plant in my head. So it couldn't really separate me from the plant. So that kind of stuff. But it still looked pretty damn good, though. Definitely better than that pesky iPhone portrait mode. Oh, my God. So right now, if we're ranking the portrait mode between the Samsung Galaxy S20 devices, iPhone 11 and Pixel 4, Pixel 4 is still king of portrait mode. No other phone on planet Earth is touching that. Samsung number two, because their live focus is definitely legit. And the iPhone bringing up the rear number three because the iPhone portrait mode is a bunch of monkey crap. You all have heard me complain about the iPhone 
Portrait Mobile 4 is garbage. It can't even edge detect a damn straw. Don't get me started on that. Don't get me started on the iPhone Portrait Mobile. Don't get me started. But this live focus on these new Galaxy S20 devices, definitely legit. They're not the best, but they're right up there with the Pixel. Uh, niggas asking me in the chat, how are the gestures? To be honest, I don't use them. I like the navigation buttons that Samsung has add, that has had on their phone for years. So I'm still using the, the uh, navigation buttons. I don't use gestures on these devices. So that's just me. However, people that do use the gestures and have used the gestures on these phones say that the gestures work pretty well. I'm just an old school Android head. I like the navigation button, so I don't use gestures. But I've heard that the gestures do work well. So that's cool. Oh, um, this, uh, the in-display ultrasonic fingerprint sensor is still doo-doo. They made practically no improvement from last year. Kind of sad, given how much they're charging for these phones. But if you're looking for vast improvements in the, the in-display fingerprint sensor technology, <laughs> nah, fam. This ain't it, Chief. This ain't it, Chief. <laughs> so, yeah, be aware of that. The in-display fingerprint sensor is still doo-doo. Uh, if you want to get into the phone quickly, your best bet is probably face unlock, even though it's not secure. But it's quicker than probably trying to use this stupid, crappy, ultrasonic fingerprint sensor. So that's how I feel about that. Other than that, like I said, 120 hertz refresh rate, it's noticeable. It's not game changing. It's noticeable. It does make the phone feel smooth, feel uh, snappy, things like that. Also, besides having a 120 hertz refresh rate, the Galaxy S20 Ultra Elite has a 240 hertz touch response system going on. So the touch sensitivity and touch responsiveness is A1. Like the phone responds instantly to your touches. So I am definitely digging that touch responsiveness. At 240 hertz, I like that. Like I said, it everything like it's almost like what Apple did last year with the iPhone 11. They made a bunch of tweaks and refinements to make the phone an overall better experience. I think Samsung did a lot of that with the S20 models. They made a bunch of little tweaks and refinements, like the 240 hertz touch responsiveness on top of the 120 hertz refresh rate. That combined those combinations or that combined to make a pretty uh, awesome user experience on this device. So I am definitely. Digging what's happening here, man. Definitely legit. Yeah, I just got a, I just got a tweet from uh, Shane Starr. To, as, uh, he was talking about how uh, Zito Mac was streaming last night and the front-facing camera was taking 40-plus seconds to find focus during a few focus tests. Yeah. Uh, the autofocus is definitely an issue. Now, for the front-facing camera, let me let me do some podcast testing right now. I haven't really had too many issues with the front-facing camera finding focus, but let's see. Yeah, pretty much half my face uh, locked in. Um, I don't, I'm not seeing too many issues with the front-facing camera, but... I mean, this is a picture. I'm not doing video, but actually, let's just uh, let's switch up to uh, video. If I can, let's see. Let's um, let's go to video. Okay, let's see. Um, all right, let's uh, let's let's uh, let's shoot some video here on the podcast. I know those of you all listening on audio only can't really see this, but we are now shooting video on the front-facing camera of the Galaxy S20 Ultra, and I'm not noticing any focus issues. However, let me introduce a variable to this recording. I have a bottle of lens cleaner in my hand, so let's see if it focuses on that. Uh, it seems like it's... Okay, nope. I see some hunting. So there is some slight hunting with the autofocus on the front-facing camera. Not surprising, because I've been complaining about Samsung's autofocus for two years now. But overall, I think it's going okay. I mean, I don't... I can't really tell. I can't really tell too much right now, but it seems like it's focusing okay, even though I have introduced this lens cleaner into the equation. But... I mean, I'm not surprised that Samsung is having autofocus issues. I'm not surprised at all. Like I said, I complained about their autofocus back in my Galaxy S9 review. So it's, it's kind of sad that we're two years later and Samsung still has not figured out autofocus that much. But um, 
I'll have to go back and look at that video I just shot here, but it looked okay to me, so I don't know. But like I said, when, when you got me complaining about their autofocus for two years now, and we got people with these S20 Ultras in their hand complaining about autofocus right now, I mean, it, it just goes to, it makes me wonder, Samsung, are you working on your autofocus? Do you care about autofocus? Do you not, do you not understand how important autofocus is? I mean, it's kind of pivotal to the camera experience, right? You pull out your phone, you go take a, you point the phone at your subject, you take a picture. Nobody's thinking about the focus. So it's called autofocus for a reason. The everyday average person, just all they're going to do is take out the phone and point and shoot. They're not going to worry about how the focus looks. They expect the phone to take care of that. So if the phone is not taking care of that autofocus, then what are we doing here? Like, wh what are you doing, Samsung? Come on, man. Like I said, I've been complaining about this for two years. Fix your autofocus, please. Like, what is happening here? I don't have this problem on the iPhone. I don't think the picture even had any problem, but come on, dude, let's go. Let's go with this autofocus. Let's go. I won't be making like any like detailed review videos, although I will be making a, uh, making a uh, comparison video between this and the iPhone 11 Pro Max. But uh, these are definitely my first impressions. I'm highly impressed. I'm enjoying using the device. I mean, the device is amazing, but um, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a Samsung device, you know? It, it's a Samsung device. It, it, it does what a Samsung device does. It has the best display. It has that 120 hertz refresh rate. It has that 240 hertz touch responsiveness. I mean, uber bright. It has the cameras that are pretty good. And yeah, it's legit. Oh, it has that awesome multitasking with that awesome amount of RAM. I mean, this phone is literally a smartphone cheat code. 16 gigabytes of RAM, five ton 512 gigabytes of storage on a Snapdragon 865. And oh, oh, I almost forgot to talk about this. I think you know mentioned it earlier. The modem. The modem. Now, you know, I don't know if reviewers even mention modem too much in their reviews because, I mean, you it's a modem. You expect the modem to work. It's LTE, usually the LTE connect, and you get internet and things like that. But if you've listened to me for the past three years, I've been on YouTube, you know how I feel about modems and how I feel about Android modems versus iPhone modems. So this, this, uh, this Galaxy S20 Ultra is using Qualcomm's newest a, uh, Snapdragon 865. Uh, it's a 5G modem, so it's using their new uh, a, a new it's using their new 5G, I think, antenna or modem or whatever. But it's a Snapdragon 865. It works well. The modem is legit. It's fast. It's responsive. It gets me where I gotta go online. So the modem is legit. I love the modem. Um, <laughs> but then again, I'm coming from an iPhone which drops connectivity like every few days, and it just utterly annoys the hell out of me. So I am so glad to be back on a phone where the modem works all the time. Unlike a 30 iPhone that I have, which shall not be named in this podcast. You know what I'm talking about. But the modem on here, the Qualcomm Snapdragon 865 is dropping dimes. And I'm loving it. Probably, actually, it is the best modem out there right now. And I cannot wait later this year when iPhone go back to using Qualcomm modems. Thank you, God. Intel cellular modems are dog doodoo. They're trash. They're hot garbage. They're the flaming young of garbage. If garbage had its own flaming young, then that's what the Intel cellular modem would be. They are the flaming young of hot garbage. But the Qualcomm cellular modems are the absolute bone appetite. They are mwah, 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 magnifico, magnifico, magnifico. The Qualcomm modems are magnifico. The Intel cellular modems are dog doodoo. But I am so glad to be back on a Qualcomm modem. I haven't had a chance to test out 5G yet because I'm not. I'm home. I'm not at work. I'll probably get a chance to test that out more tomorrow. But the modem on here is legit. Somebody was asking the best haptic between the Ultra or the Pixel 4. 
uh, probably the Pixel 4. Like I got the Pixel have pretty good uh, haptics. Not to say that the Ultra haptics are bad, but the Pixel has like top level haptics. So I would say the Pixel 4, but the Ultra haptics are definitely legit. Definitely, definitely. Uh, F niggas asking about the multi-tacking. Like I said earlier, the multi-tacking is the best ever on a smartphone. You can pin three apps to memory, which means they will stay open in the state that you leave them in, and you can come back to them in that same state anytime, no matter what you're doing on the phone. Let me repeat that. This phone has the capability to pin app to RAM, to pin app to memory, which means you can be doing whatever you want on the phone, and you can pick three apps that you can pin to memory, so they will be open in a certain state wherever you left off in those apps. You can leave that app, do whatever you want to do on the phone, and then come back to that app exactly the way you left it without no refreshing, no fork codes or nothing because this phone has so much RAM, it's a cheat code. So that feature alone makes the multitasking on this phone legit. Earlier, I was watching the CJ No Tech video as I was tweeting, oh my God, picture-in-picture is legit. Like, I know all Android phones have picture-in-picture, but... When you got picture in picture with 16 gigabytes of RAM, I mean, you get no stutter, nothing. You could just scroll your Twitter timeline, playing a YouTube video effortlessly. It is next level. I love it. Again, on top of the fact that you could pin three apps to memory, and this is amazing. I love it. This phone is a multitasking powerhouse. This entire phone is an absolute beast. I am enjoying using it. And if you are thinking about getting a Galaxy S20 Ultra right now, as of right now, I, I still would highly recommend getting one. It's pricey, of course, but hey, this is a top-tier flagship device. It's a luxury device. You are paying for the luxury that it provides. So as Frosty Carter would tell you, you got to pay to play, baby. You got to pay to play. And if you pay for this, you will definitely be getting your money worth. Although, I'm, you know what? I still have a hard time telling people that smartphones are worth a thousand dollars, but this phone, this phone, this phone is it. This, this is the phone right here. This is the one you want. Uh, so even A says that are the apps still active if you turn the screen off? I don't see why not. You know what? Let's see. So I'm gonna let's do a live demo here. Um, because I haven't really used this feature too much. So I'm gonna go to Twitter, right? So I'm gonna go to Twitter and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave off somewhere in Twitter and then I'm gonna pin that to memory. And let's see. So we got a. Uh, so let me see. I'm gonna go back up here. Let's see. I'm gonna go into this uh, this tweet right here. So we're gonna exit out of that. Open that up. We're gonna pin it to memory. Boom. All right. So Twitter, if it pinned, now we got. Uh, okay. I don't need that one. We can, we can get rid of that. Oh, that's our. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Yep. It just. So as soon as you open up the app switcher, that pin app is right there staring you in the face. So that's pretty cool. That's legit. All right. So let me go to YouTube real quick. Uh, we're gonna go to a uh, blah 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 blah. Let's go to. Let's see. Somebody. Anybody on my thing. All right, we got uh, we got Greggle, Greggle TV. Let's go to Greggle. Okay, we got Greggle. So let's pin it Greggle to memory here. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna pin Greggle to memory to make sure that this happens the way it's supposed to happen. All right, so we got three. Oh no, I lied to you guys. Oh my god. So you can keep five apps open in memory. The phone's like, no, you monkey nipple. I can handle five apps in memory. So this Galaxy S20 Ultra 5G can hold five apps open in memory. That is craziness. Now, I wonder if that's because I have the 16 gigabyte model and that's because that, I mean, it's a 16 gigabyte model. So if you have a, the 12 gigabyte, it might not be able to hold five open, but damn, that is crazy. That is just, that's stupid. That's bananas, bro. That's just bananas. What is that? Are you serious right now? That's absolute bananas. 
five apps open, man. Memory, five apps open in memory. What are you doing, Samsung? All right. So even wants to know if it's still active if you turn the screen off. So I'm about to turn the screen off right now. All right, screen off. So let's turn the screen back on and see if they're still open in memory. So if I turn the screen on and I go into the multitasking app switcher, all right, and I pinned out Instagram. Instagram's still there. All right, let's go back to my app, app switcher. YouTube, still on Greggle. Yep, Greggle's still there, untouched. And I think I left twi uh, Twitter open. Go back to Twitter. Yep, right where I left it. So even if you turn the screen off, the apps are exactly where you left them. Oh, my God. That is I mean, we should just end the podcast right there. I mean, goddamn. What are you talking? What is this? Is this sorcery? Is this real? Is this real? <laughs> Five apps in memory? Are you poor, bruh? Oh, I think we should end the podcast right there. I mean, I, I think I, I said enough. I just said enough. <laughs> this phone is crazy. This is a cheat code. This phone is a literal cheat code. We have never seen anything like this phone in our lives. I am, yo. Yo, the iPhone about to get benched. I mean, I'm sorry, iPhone. You about to get benched, bro. You you got to sit on the bench for a while. You got to think about what you did to your boy Viper. Between your lack of RAM and your crappy LT connectivity, you're going to be riding the bench for a while, bro. Because this S20 Ultra ain't playing no game. Damn. Woo. Oh, my God. But uh, if you're listening on audio only, thank you very much for listening tonight. I definitely appreciate you guys. Like I said earlier, if you want to support the podcast, please check the show notes. Definitely appreciate you. This S20 Ultra is a beast. This is the beast among smartphones. This is the Brock Lesnar of smartphones. And Samsung has set one hell of a precedent to follow for everybody else here in 2020. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.